This is the Becoming Unbreakable War Room with Jason Kuhn. This podcast is meant to help you skyrocket your life, your marriage, your business, and your family, all while crushing your biggest competition, you yesterday. Good morning, guys. Thank you for listening once again. This is Jason Kuhn. Today, I am by myself on this podcast, and um, I actually have a lot to talk about today for you, some things I think that will resonate with some of you. Um, But before we get into that, let's, uh, I want to first thank you guys, okay? Um, This is only episode number three, um, and you guys have uh, hit us up with a bunch of reviews. We got a ton of, a ton of downloads, a ton of subscriptions, so I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for listening. Keep this coming, okay? Um, That's the only way that, uh, you know, this movement is going to grow for us, and uh, I need your help. I need your help. So leave those reviews, you know, five stars always what I'm talking about, but leave them, leave me a review, you know, uh, on iTunes, real simple. It's only going to take you a minute to do share this with a friend, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you want. Uh, but give me that share, give us that, that review. And it's just going to help. It's going to help others that, that need this, that want to listen to this. It's going to help them find it. So with that being said, let's jump into it, guys. Let's jump into it. Now this one may be uh, it may be a little bit longer. Okay, this one may be a a two parter or a three parter. I'm not sure yet. We're gonna we'll break it down as needed. But um, today today what we're going to talk about is how one event, one single event in your life, or one decision, or one choice that you make, how it can change everything for good or for bad to blow you up, to make it very, very successful, or to bring you down, okay, bring you down into the ditches, Um, how one event, and it just all depends on how you, the choice you make, the decision you make from that event, things are going to happen, things are going to happen in life, Um, there's going to be some things that, you know, you takes you to a very dark place, but it all depends on how you react to that, so today, December 3rd. If you're listening to this live today, it is December 3rd, 2018. Um, 20 years ago, today, December 3rd, 1998, I was in eighth grade sitting in my sixth period math class. It was right after lunch, about 12.30, and I got a slip, a pink slip is what they called it back then. Um, and basically what a pink slip was, it meant you are going to the principal's office, uh, (laughs) at that point of my life, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was a, I was a a pretty good student overall. You know, I had no issues in school. There was no problems. Um, I didn't cause any trouble. I was actually a quiet kid. So I'd go and do my thing and, you know, get out of there. Um, but I was sitting there 20 years ago today. I was 15 years old and um, I got a pink slip. And I was like, what the heck is this? And so you get up, you leave class, you walk to the principal's office. And my class at the principal's office was, you know, school was pretty big. So it took a few minutes to walk there. Uh, as I walked there, the principal's office was all glass. Okay, it was all glass. You could see in it. You could see like the secretaries in there. You could see whoever else was in there doing work. 
um, with little offices off of that. And I was walking up to the glass. I saw my dad. Uh, my dad was standing in there. And uh, <laughs> my dad was never, um, he never really came to the school ever, <laughs> okay? Uh, my mom did, but my dad really, you know, he, he was always working uh, throughout the school day. So he was never at school for any type of events, really, um, that, were, that were going on during the day. And I saw him in there, and I knew instantly something was wrong. I knew instantly something was bad. And I just saw it in his eye. And I saw him from, you know, 20, 30 feet away, and I could just tell. And I walked in, and I walked up to him, and he said, Jace, uh, you got to grab your stuff. We got to go. And I instantly, at that point, knew what happened. Uh, let me rewind a little bit. Four days prior to this, it was a Sunday. Every year uh, growing up, every year, myself, my brother, and my dad would go hunting the first day of buck. Um, we'd go to the mountains up in Pennsylvania. And uh, it was a tradition, you know, he did it with his dad. My dad was a, a big hunter. Uh, so he would go out every year, but we would always go within the very first day. So this was a normal thing. Um, it was a Sunday. We would go up Sunday after Thanksgiving. We would drive up, which was about two and a half, three hours from my house where we would go. We'd camp, stay in our camp. We had a camp up there. Um, you know, have a cool, have a fun Sunday, go to bed early, get up Sunday, you know, Monday morning, really early, head to our spots, you know, and start working our way back into the woods. Um, so Sunday, four days prior, we, we left, left my house, told my mom goodbye and we drove to camp. Uh, Mike, my brother, Mike, myself, and my dad, we got up there pretty early. I don't know. It was early afternoon. Typically what I would do up there, just have a, you know, I'd start a big fire and we'd clean up and, you know, just kind of hang out and shoot some guns and stuff. Um, so I did that, and we did nothing out of the normal. Everything was typical first day, you know, first day before uh, deer season. Made a big old fire of burning logs all day, you know. Pretty, it actually was pretty big. Anyways, I let it burn, let it burn, let it burn. It gets dark up there really early, like 5 in the evening, sometimes earlier at this time of year. So we um, went to bed, and, and, you know, this is a true, this is a legit camp, too, by the way, guys, this isn't like (laughs) the fancy, this is a camp, it is a, it's a, it's a little house, it's like a one-story house, no running water, has a sink, a kitchen, refrigerator, but it doesn't have, there's a spring out back, we get our water from the spring, come in, boil it, you know, cook whatever we would cook, grill out or whatever, Uh, cots, there was a bed in there, two beds in there, just open to a big old room with a couple of cots. So we pull the cots down and that's where we sleep. So uh, kerosene heaters, all that good stuff. Um, so I was blazing this fire on Sunday, blazing it. And it was just going. And I spent hours out there just throwing more on, throwing more on, throwing more on. Anyways, it got dark. It was time to go to bed. We had to get up early. Went to bed. Um, you know, you never get the greatest sleep up there anyways. Um, and it was about... I think it was around 2 o'clock in the morning or maybe 12 o'clock at night. I don't remember. It was either 12 o'clock at night or 2 in the morning. And there was knocking at our at the door, right? The camper, like, what the heck is this? And the, and the first thing I'm thinking is, why would someone, nobody 
ever comes here? Like, why would somebody be coming out here? And uh, my dad got up and I was wide awake. So I'm like, listening, like, who the heck is coming, coming here? And it was uh, two state police officers at my door. And uh, so they, they introduced themselves, whatever their names were. They were, you know, Pennsylvania State Police. And as soon as they said that, I thought, holy shit, that fire I had burnt down the whole damn woods when I went to sleep. That's what I was thinking. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, an in tr I'm in freaking in trouble here. This is not good. I just burnt down, like, all of these state forests. Um, that wasn't the case, though. He said, uh, he said, your wife uh, is in the hospital. She had an accident. Was in the, she's in the hospital. And I'm like, oh, man. And uh, I think he went outside to talk to him then for a second. He came back in. He said, we have to go. So we packed our stuff and, uh, and we left. And we took the next two and a half, three hours, drove home. And uh, found out my mom was in, you know, she was in the hospital that she had um, at this time, uh, from what I was told, she had a, a seizure, right? A really bad seizure. Which she did, but there was more to the story. Um, so, anyways, she was uh, she was in a coma uh, for a couple of days, and uh, at that point, I I was young, you know, I was only fifteen, but the hospital was in Pittsburgh that she was at. So, you know, my dad spent pretty much every day down there, go to work and then go down or not go to work and go down and and just spend time with her, but uh. So he would bring me down. He'd come home and get me in the evening after I was done at school, and I'd go down and see her. But, you know, at this point, she was in a coma, so there was no, you weren't talking to it. You know, she wasn't talking or anything. Um, but I do remember the doctor saying when I was standing there that she was going to be, if she came out of this, if she came out, I think her temperature was like 106 degrees or something at one point. Um, if she came out that she was going to be like a, in a vegetable state anyways, right? Her mind. Um, so that's kind of the last thing I remember the doctor saying. Uh, and that lasted for a couple days and went on for four days. Um, and that's kind of where we get brought up to where December 3rd, uh, at my school. So that's what it was about. So when he walked into my school that day, I knew, uh, I knew right then and there that, that she had passed away. Um, I went home, or actually I went to, he said, hey, you got to go get your, um, you have to go get your stuff. So I remember going to my locker, and he didn't say what happened yet. I just I already knew this, you know. I went to my locker, and we had these big metal lockers. And I remember, uh, I remember punching my locker, just I don't know. I was just mad. I don't know what I, I really don't know at that point. Obviously, I was a little pissed, but I was sad. I don't know what it was. Um, different emotions mixed together, I guess. But I remember punching that damn locker a couple times. I actually hurt my hand. Um, I grabbed my stuff and I left. And he was waiting for me out front in the truck. I jumped in and we drove home. And then it was time where he had to make the phone calls. So I was sitting there and basically just sitting there in silence. The car ride home was uh, was pretty silent. The When I got home, I sat on my couch in my living room. 
and it was silent. And back then, you know, you had the phones with the big old cord on them that you could stretch 50 feet through your house. Um, my dad was on the phone, and I remember him calling my uh, my grandmother. It's basically my mom's mom, and telling her what happened. And uh, I remember for the first time, this is the first time, 15 years, the first time that I ever saw my dad get like emotional like that, okay, like crying. I've never seen him cry in my life. Uh, and he was crying on the phone. I was like, whoa, this is, and I was still kind of in shock, I think. You know, I was still, I just, I don't know. It didn't, I don't think it kicked in completely at this point. Um, so I was just in shock. I was just kind of sitting there in silence. And uh, I got on my bike. At that time, I was uh, really into BMX. So I got on my bike and I just went riding. I just went riding around my neighborhood and just cruising around. Well, over the course of the next couple of days, uh, you know, family came into town and uh, people from different areas came into town uh, for the funeral. And I kind of just stuck to myself, you know. I just, I just got on my bike and I just rode around for hours and hours and hours. And we had these trails that we had built um, for our you know, BMX trails, basically, that we had built. And I spent a lot of time there. I spent a lot of time there um, riding, a lot of time digging. I mean, you know, we spent years prior to this basically building these things and just hours upon hours upon hours about digging and digging and building jumps and just all this craziness and all this time spent. And uh, during this time, I spent some time up there. And just would ride up there and just ride by myself. But um, my sister came into town from California, and her it was uh, at the time at the time and her husband, and uh, her, they came in, and I was like, "Hey, why don't you guys come up to the trails?" And this is like the day before the funeral. I'm like, "Come up to the trails, and uh, you know, you can watch me ride or whatever. You watch me hit, hit, hit all these jumps because I, I ain't gonna lie, I was pretty wild. It's pretty." Uh, Nothing really made me nervous when it came to that. Um, so I always had a good time. I'd take some hard falls, hard crashes, but it was, it was fun. But anyways, so they were there watching. I was like, hey, check this out. I'm going to hit this new jump. And I, uh, it, was, it was a big double. I forget how big it was. I just remember being big back then. And I hit this thing, and I landed short, and my front wheel hit the back of the landing. So those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, a double, a double is like a big dirt jump, okay? And there's a big gap in between. There's nothing in between, and then there's a landing, okay? Just as big as the as the jump. It might be six foot, it might be ten foot high, whatever, um, off the ground. And then you're another ten feet, fifteen feet above that if you're jumping through the air. So uh, I hit the back of that damn thing, and I flew over the bars, and I went face first down the landing on my face, right? And I got up, and they're like, holy shit. And <laughs> one whole side of my face, so I like road rash, right, down one side of my face. So if you looked at me from one side, I look normal. I look like the, uh, what was it, Two-Face, or what was his name? Whatever his name was off of, was it Batman, or I don't know what show it was. But one side of your face, perfectly fine. And you turn, the other side of your face is just mangled, okay? And that's exactly how I looked. If you were looking at me straight on, 
It was like a perfect right down the center. One whole side was busted up, just just bloody road rash, raw skin. The other side was normal. So the next day was the funeral, and that's how I uh, that's how I spent it. That's how I looked at the funeral that day. So, anyways, to back this up even more, this has been going on for a long time in my life, in my childhood. All right, so everybody has. Everybody has uh, different things that happened to them in their childhood, right? Some people had great childhoods. Some people had good childhoods. Some people had bad childhoods. Some people had terrible childhoods. But there's always something you can get out of it uh, regardless. And, you know, it doesn't set you up for the rest of your life. No matter how your childhood was, it doesn't matter. You know, that's what you were born into or that's what you grew up in. That doesn't mean you have to stay in that position forever for the next 20 years, for the next 30 years, for the next 40 years and keep bringing it back to that and blaming it on that, right? You can change it. So uh, I would say it was probably like from when I was about seven or eight to 15. Uh, my mom was a, uh, she was a nurse's aide at one of the local hospitals. And uh, she was coming home one night and she got into a, a really bad car accident. Um. You know, they had to come get the jaws of life and life flight and all that stuff. Anyways, it was a really bad car accident. And uh, that, from that day forward, there was, uh, she had issues, like a lot of them. Uh, Seizures all the time, you know, different things. She couldn't work for a while. She was on a lot of different medications. Uh, The doctor would, you know, monthly, literally monthly change up her medication. And, you know, like... (laughs) pharmaceuticals are uh they're very addictive too you know they can be very addictive especially someone with a, a addictive personality already and then they're getting you know different types of pain medications and different types of uh you know just different medications seizure medication different things that aren't supposed to go together that aren't going together so then they cause you know adverse reactions and different things so every month Almost, almost every month from the time I was about seven or eight years old until I was 15 years old, she was having seizures, right? And I'm talking, you could see it coming on. Um, you could see the seizures coming on a day or so before, or at least like 12 hours in advance. You know, her jaw would start like uh, chattering. Uh, she actually we went down and I remember going to the dentist and they pulled every one of her teeth, every one, in one day. Whole, all the top teeth, all the bottom teeth. And she came out, and I was with her, and she came out so loopy, messed up. But they did that. She was having all these seizures, so she basically wouldn't bite her tongue off, right? So you could take her teeth out. Um, you could take her teeth out whenever she was going to have a seizure or starting to look like she was going that way. Or in the hospital, she could have her teeth out without biting her tongue off. Um, so she had that done. Um, but every month I could kind of count on being in the hospital, you know, showing up at the hospital and uh, and my mom always coming out of it. You know, she'd always come out of it. And when she came out of it, she would come out, uh, she would come out a lot better for a little while, okay, it wouldn't last long, like, she'd come out, she'd be good, 
and then it'd be three weeks. It might be a month, maybe a little bit longer, and then you start to see the same the same effects, the same things that were going on the month before. Um, when she would be in the hospital, sometimes she would be there for three days, sometimes five days, sometimes a week, sometimes ten days. I mean, it just depended. Um, it was different every time, but. I never knew what to expect, but I've seen it happen to her so many times. Like the ambulance, they were at our house so often that I just pretty much thought like she'll always bounce out of these. You know what I mean? Like she'll always come out of these. Uh, It's just another, it's just another month, you know, and she'll be back to normal and then we'll do it again the next month. The problem with that was that was stressful as hell as a kid. That was stressful. I'm telling you, I was just like, I was always trying to like, you know, watch for and make sure she was all right. And and there was a lot of other issues throughout all that um, that went along with this, but it wasn't just the seizures, but there was uh, mental issues and, and, you know, psychiatric different there was just a lot of different things happening and I was you know I didn't know all about it because I was young you know my dad tried to keep me you know out of that um but I knew some of it you know I knew some of it back then um and just being around so much you hear you know you hear different things and you hear the doctors talking and you hear you know things you probably shouldn't hear when you're that age that you're not supposed to hear but you you know my kids, they hear those. They hear, they don't hear you tell them doing to do you know to go do a chore. They don't hear that, but they damn sure hear. Hey, you want to go to you know to the toy store or something like that? They love that. They'll hear that. Um, so I was the same, probably. You know, you only hear you only hear what you want to hear, what you're trying to listen to. Uh, so at that point, um, there was a lot of times that. I mean, this, these weren't just like a, a little bit of shaking and then, you know, a doc, and then, a, you know, the ambulance comes and then it's hospital time. No, 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 no. I'm talking, these were full out psychotic. They were just rages. Okay. I'm talking like I came home one time from school. I think my brother and sister were already home. They were just getting home too right before me. And my front door was open, which was weird because my front door was never really open. And I walked in. I was like, what the hell happened in here? I thought somebody got murdered in my house. Okay, I thought like somebody broke in and murdered somebody in my house. There was we had white walls. Uh, there was blood all over the walls. All over the walls. I had a big, there was a big um, porcelain lamp. It was like a floor lamp. It was like five foot tall, real thick. The thing was shattered. There was broken porcelain everywhere. Back then, we had one of those old-school TVs, you know, the ones that sat on the ground on the floor, and they were, like, in a wooden enclosure with speakers built in, real heavy things, you know? And you could, like, put stuff on top of the TV because that's probably where you put your VCR or whatever. Um, We had one of those, and that thing was heavy, and it was flipped over and moved, like, you know, 20 feet into uh, into my dining room. The couches were flipped. The dining room table was flipped, chairs everywhere. I mean, it was there was stuff everywhere, and there was blood everywhere. And she was having a seizure while we were at school. Nobody was home. 
and she had these superhuman strengths. When she would do it, like her strength was incredible. You couldn't hold her down. You couldn't, you know, it was just this crazy, crazy strength that she had. And um, this happened a lot. These things happened a lot um, when I was younger. And I just, you know, you kind of feel helpless, like you can't do anything. Uh, another time, I don't know where everybody was at. It was just me. I don't know why it was just me there, but uh, she was starting to have a seizure, you know, and I didn't know what to do. It was coming on, and uh, she was really, really starting to shake. And I knew, you know, when she starts that, she hurts herself because she hits in the walls and she breaks things, you know, just all this stuff happens. And so I took uh, Ace Bandage, you know, like the brown, like elastic style bandages. And I put her on the bed and I tied her to the bed. Like I tied her feet to the bed and I tied her hands to the bed. And she was, I remember her looking at me in the eyes when I was doing it, but she couldn't really talk. She was like, just like, you know, saying different, like, just making noises and groaning and stuff like that. And she couldn't help it. And she was trying to like hold still for me so I could do it. So I could tie her to that bed. And uh, she was shaking so bad and, and, and flipping and flopping and, you know, thrusting her body all over the place. And I finally got her tied onto the bed and, so she wouldn't fall off. And then I went and got every pillow in the house and I uh, put it around on the floor the whole way like surrounding the bed just in case she did get off of it and, and fell off the bed at least she'd fall on pillows and but you know I don't re even remember how that ended that time I guess I probably called the ambulance I really don't know but so this is just kind of a backstory of different things that's happened um kind of how I grew up um one part of it I mean, that's, that's only one part of you know of my childhood um but there was a lot of I remember her always having like I said there was a lot of mental a lot of mental issues okay um she was very very uh unstable she really was and uh and she was a great mom to me you know she she was awesome but she was very unstable um and my dad held it down you know he kept it together and he was a real quiet guy. You know, he was a real quiet guy. Um, he was like the enforcer in the house back then. <laughs> uh, you know, you scared, you scared of dad and mom was like, you can do whatever. But um, but he, he held it together for us and he gave us like the most, uh, the most stable life that we could, that we could have with the situation. Uh, he tried to keep things together the best he could. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how seven to 15, uh, worked out for me. And, uh, but that went on a lot and there was a lot of, uh, attempted suicides and just different things. Uh, and you know, come down to it at 15 when, when the last one happened, um, Turns out that's actually what, you know, basically that's more or less what happened. Um, she knew that we were going to be gone. 
uh, hunting. So, like, what better time? No one's really there to, you know, to save anybody. So, um, she actually called my sister in California. Uh, she took a, I guess she, there was a bunch of, the, the doctor said uh, that she took a bunch of pills, right? Like, she had a ton of pills. And she took a lot of pills every day. Like, I'm talking like 30 different pills a day, every day she had to take. Um, but I guess she, you know, took them all, took them all. And she was, you know, probably in that weird stage after you take it and you're starting to feel them. And she ended up calling my sister in California. And I'm pretty sure at the time they weren't really talking a lot. Like my mom never called her, uh, at this, at this stage in, in life. Um, but she called her. So my sister knew something was up. And I guess the way she was talking and the things she was saying was very uh, telling that there was something going on, you know. So she had called, my sister had called uh, my aunt who was in town. And then that's kind of how the ambulance came and how they found us and everything went from there. But um, so that was the last time that there was a seizure. Uh, it was the last time my mom was alive. Uh, was that day. The last time I talked to her was the day that... Um, we left to go hunting. So I was 15 years old uh, at that time, and it was it was crazy. It, it really took a long time for me to. Um, it even took a long time just for me to even to even realize what had happened. You know, it took me a long time just to realize that. Um, you know. She wasn't going to be there when I came home from school and uh, crocheting or knitting. You know, she had, she would, like, crochet a bunch of stuff, and that's just what she did during the day. She loved it. She actually made my um, she made my kids some stuff before she passed away. She's like, for one day. She didn't, obviously didn't know I had kids at the time. I didn't, but um, for in the future. So she made that. So they actually have one thing from her, which is kind of cool. Um, anyways... So yeah, that time, no matter how this sounds, it, it, the whole thing, seven, eight years of my life, was it was super, super stressful. Um, going to school, which is normal. I mean, just the normal stresses of every life. And then the home life of uh, moving a lot. You know, I was, I was uh, my mom moved out of the house a lot. Like I remember being in a lot of different apartments with her. And I would always go with her uh, rather than stay with my dad because uh, I just felt that she, she basically, she needed me, I felt. You know, someone had to watch over her, someone to look out for her. And her being by herself was probably not the best thing. But um, she'd move out, you know, I'd, run, I'd go with her. We'd be in an apartment for whatever, three months, six months, a year. She'd move back in with my dad. And then, you know, it, this was this happened this happened a good bit, um, and there'd be different guys at the house. Just all this, all this shit that I'm just looking back like, oh my god, what a <laughs> holy shit, what a life. But it's uh, that happened. I don't know, at least five or six times that I remember different houses, you know. And um, my dad always held it down, and he he. He always kept it together, at least in front of us, you know, at least in front of the kids he did. I don't know how he was uh, outside of that, but in front of us, he always held it together and uh, 
you know, kept it stable for us when I'd come back and everything like that. Um, so, but when that happened, I got to say there was a, there was a sense of relief. I know that sounds weird, but like when my mom died, I was relieved. Yeah, that's right. Sounds strange. I know, but I wasn't glad, but I was relieved. I was relieved of, I was relieved of the stress. I knew she was living in pain and a lot of pain every single day. Okay. Mentally and physically. Um, I just knew she, she was in a better spot. My life was going to become more stable. My dad, you know, my brother, everything was going to be a little bit more stable. There was no more hospital visits. There was no more sleeping in the hospitals. There was no more of that. There was no more going to to visit, you know, in the psychiatric uh, wards of the hospital. And never knew, never knew I was going to those places. Never knew. I thought I was just going to the hospital. Mom's sick. Let's go visit her. What I didn't realize, <laughs> and it all made sense years later, was why are we like confined to this one area with these, you know, 15 foot high walls that nobody can get out of? It's like very, very guarded. Um, I just didn't get it, you know, you only have so much time. It was just a weird thing, but I just thought like we were just going to visit her. That's how it was for everybody. Uh, but Life got a lot less stressful in that situation after that happened um, for a little bit. I took one stress away and I uh, added another stress to it. This is where the next two years of my life got turned upside down and I let it happen. Um, that event kind of molded what I did the next couple of years. Um, I don't even say the next couple of years. It wasn't even the next couple of years, but it changed my life for the next couple of years. Actually, it still changed my life to today. Um, I still go back on different things. I still look at things differently um, than I probably would have before. I, I, see, I see things differently uh, than I would have before, absolutely. And I, um, I make decisions a little bit differently too um, than I would have <laughs> I was on a, a, a turn to like a, a, a road of craziness, of craziness for, it really only lasted about six months. However, the effects of that lasted another, you know, 18 months or two years. Um, I was just hanging with crazy crews of people and, uh, and not, and they weren't bad people. They weren't bad people. We just were all crazy together. And at that time of life, we just really didn't care what we did um you know my dad still had to work he still had to work he still had to do his uh you know he had to keep a job he had to keep a roof over our head and he continued to to hold it down and do do what he needed to do and I was kind of um I kind of went off the rails a little bit to say the least I kind of went off the rails um by doing a lot of things uh but we'll get to that story later, but, um, of how, how it shaped different ways, but I ended up getting, uh, getting arrested, uh, in California, (laughs) 
in California. I drove to California. <laughs> and I uh, never really drove out of my out of my little small town prior to this. Out of Pittsburgh, out of Pittsburgh. Um, but I drove the whole way to California in two and a half days. I drove there with a buddy of mine, um, and we drove. It was April. It was April, uh, like April 15th or April 14th, and we drove to California two and a half days, no sleep. I drove the entire way straight through. Uh, it was 3,000 miles, and <laughs> it was a damn adventure the whole way. Um, something I will probably never take back. Um, you know, everything I've done in my life, good, bad, it's always a lesson, right? You all, there's always a lesson to it if you allow it. Um, so there's a lot of lessons from this. And I only spent one week, not even, I spent, I think, five or six days in California. Uh, nobody knew where I was at. <laughs> nobody knew where I was at. I drove out to Cali. I was like, I'm going to see my sister. She's out here. You know, I'm just going to, but I'm going to, before I see her, before I see my sister, I got to, I got to check out the coast. You know, I got to cruise down through LA and I got to check out Venice and I got to go to Monterey and I got to go to all these places and just check them out. So that's exactly what we did. Um, <laughs> we, we, we spent, um, you know, I think five or six days once we actually got to California, uh, sleeping in hotels and um, different things. I know, like how can a 15 or 16-year-old kid get a hotel? I know. I don't know either. We gave them money. They gave us a hotel room. That's just how it worked. It was, <laughs> we tried it. We chanced it. And it made, we never got turned down. I don't know how because I looked like I was 15. I didn't look like I was, you know, older than I was. Um. But <laughs> we stayed in one night in California. We stayed in Long Beach, baby. Long Beach, California. And uh, as we pulled into the parking lot, the hotel was about 10, it was about 10 stories high. And it was like a, like a circle shape, right? Like a, like a half circle shape or three quarter circle. So you pull in and the parking lot's in the center and everyone parks and there's cars everywhere. And I parked and right across from where we parked at, there was this van. Now think about this. This is 19, this is the late nineties. Okay. In LA, um, or in California. So, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of gangs going. There's a lot of gangs going on. There still is, but back then in the '90s, it was it was very heavy. Um, there was a van parked right across from us, and it was like it had it was like this drop down van that was all like pimped out. It had these little Daytons on them, like these gold Daytons, and the thing stuck out because it was a van with Daytons and all tinted out. Just you know something, it just stuck out, and. Uh, we had said something about it. I said something to my buddy about it. And then we didn't think again about it. Went up into the hotel room, went to sleep. It was the middle of the night. And we heard what sounded like uh, machine gun fire, some type of I don't know, gunfire, crazy, just pop, 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 just popping off, like right outside our door. I think we were on like the fourth floor. So we sat up a little bit. And I'm like, holy shit, somebody's like shooting right outside of our door. I'm talking to be 30, 40, 50 shots just Bang, 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 bang.
and finally, like, shit, I don't want to, I mean, I'm trying to look out the window, I don't know, I can't see anything, I open the door, and then all of a sudden, you hear helicopters, and this is like seconds later, helicopters there, um, you know, there's cops everywhere, and they, I swear they got there in like seconds, it feels like, and um, I open my door, and they're like, get back in, get back in, get back in, so I'm like, damn, something really went down, like right here, right in this parking lot. Anyways, so we didn't think we didn't know what happened. The next morning, we get up and we leave, and we go. And that van is shot to shit. Like somebody just there's, it's just splattered with holes all through the thing. And my car was right across from it, and uh, it wasn't hit one time, believe it or not. But there was just holes all through this thing, and the cars next to it were just you know blasted with holes. And um, so that's just one little piece, but. I want to get back because that's actually the whole California story is for a whole nother, a whole nother podcast. We could do shit two hours of that alone. But really the point of this whole of this whole podcast is um it's just, you know, what how can what happens in your life, what happens, does it happen to you or does it happen for you? What do you get out of it? Right? What are you gonna get out of what's going on today? Are you just gonna let it ride by and do nothing about it? And just say, oh, that's my life. My life sucks. You know, uh, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life. A lot of people I know, that's how they are. Is that you? If you're listening to this podcast, I hope it's not. I hope you're ready to rise above that. I hope you're ready to come out of it. I hope you're ready no matter what happened in your life. Um, That was just a short story of kind of how my life was, how part of my life was. And that's just one little piece you know, there was a lot of good times, um, but that's just one little piece and how to, how I managed it. And when I, when I mean how I managed it, I did a horrible job managing it, all right? I went off the rail from that situation. I felt like I finally had uh, freedom in a way, and I just let loose on doing all types of stuff that I shouldn't have done. Um, but that's how I handled it. But the same thing, after that case, after that happened, and life changed a couple years later, I could have let that continue to ride. Okay, what I, with all that craziness that I was doing after, I could have just, I just could have just kept doing it. I could have kept riding for years out. I could have been in jail, out of jail, in prison, out of prison, back and forth, group homes, anything. I could have, I could have done that. You know, a lot of people do that. And they think it, it's just it's just how it is. It's because where they're from. It's because how they were raised. Because that's not the case. Only if you make it the case. If you, if you say, if you tell yourself that's how life's going to be because of blank, 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 whatever, whatever excuse you use, whatever you're using, well, that's exactly how it's going to be. Don't plan on it changing. It's not, things aren't going to change for you just because... You, you think you deserve it. No, you have to go put the work in. You have to do it, you know, and everybody handles situations differently. You know, that's how I handled that situation. But now I look back and I see, you know, the mistakes I made, the things I did, the things I shouldn't have done. But I will say this. I will say this. Like I said, I wouldn't take back the experience from it because I learned a lot. I learned a lot. And I think no matter how negative a situation may be, 
that there's always a learning experience that, that comes out of it. If you allow it, if you allow it, if you're open to it, if you're not open to it, then you're not going to get anything out of it. It's just going to be another shitty day for you, another shitty life, and that's how you're going to die. And that's the truth, guys. That's the truth behind it. That is what is going to happen. Or you can change it. And the cool thing is you can change it right now. All right, You can make that decision right now, that one decision today of what you can do a little bit different, what steps you can take today to really make a huge change six months from now, 12 months from now, two years from now, how life can be different. So where is it? Where is it in your life today that you're holding on to something, that you're making excuses, all right? you're giving yourself a reason, and you may even have friends and family around you that are co-signing for your excuses. Yeah, you know, Jimmy had a hard life, so I see where why he's doing what he's doing. He's had a hard life. Yeah, everybody has a hard life, guys. Everybody has a hard life, almost, okay? Yeah, there's a rare exception out there that everything is, you know. But even that, even that, even those people, the rare exception, there's still things in their life that are hard. It's just a different hard than the normal people are used to, okay? There's always some type of hard out there. Um, so where is it? Think about that, all right? That's my goal for you this week is to come up with that. What can you do different today? What have you done different? And what can you what can you still work on? Even if you changed everything, what is it that you can still work on today? That one little thing to make, to make your life a little bit better. Um, what event in your life, what decision can you make today? Is it a decision to, um, to let go of something? To, to give somebody a call who you haven't talked to for a long time? Um, there was an argument between, um, is the, is the decision, you know, working out? Is that it? Changing your body first? Cause I'm telling you guys, if you have a business, if you have a family, if you have a wife, a husband, you got kids, go work out. You want to change your life? Go work out. Make that your first step. Get into the gym, do it at home. It doesn't matter. Work out, work out with a purpose. Start your day like that. After that, you know, that's, your, that's your first step. That's working on yourself, okay? There's a lot of steps to this, but make that a step. If you're not doing that, do it, do it, do it, do it. You heard me again. If you're not working out, work out. Spend 20 minutes even. doesn't matter. You have time to do it. You have time. You can fit in 20 minutes. If you can get an hour, even better. Make it intense, awesome, okay? Just do something. Do something today that's going to help you tomorrow. All right, guys, that's all I'm going into for part one today. The next podcast is coming your way. It's going to give you a little blaster. It's going to be a short one. It's going to be a five or ten minute worth of fire for you just to get you motivated and get you pumping. This is one of the more deeper ones. I got uh, part two and part three of this one coming still, okay? So those will come in the following weeks. But, guys, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for your time. It's been almost an hour I spent with you here and you spent with me. Please, 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 once again, give us a review on iTunes. Okay, go there. It takes 30 seconds to write one. Please write it, too. That's the thing, not just the stars. Um, iTunes has a thing with their algorithm that, you know, the writing is what makes the 
makes it all work. Um, do that, and then give us a share too, guys. Share us on um, Facebook, on social media, whatever you whatever you share on. Tell your friends, anybody that can get value, anybody that can resonate with this, um, hit them up and tell them to listen to it. You know, tell them to listen. Maybe it'll help them out as well. Like, like hopefully it helps you. Uh, but anyways, guys, take that one step into account today, okay? Do it. Do it now. I appreciate you guys. See you later.